This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That is true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can learn more about the PNWA at pnwa.org. And we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. If you want to learn more about the PNWA, go to pnwa.org. So before I get to this interview, and it was a good one with the fabulous Dana Stabenow, I want to mention that I just launched a new podcast, Fearless Writing with Bill Knauer. It'll be available as videos on YouTube where you find my other interviews and as a podcast if you just want to listen to it on your podcast apps. And these are short, like five or six minute long, weekly doses of inspiration and encouragement. If you like Fearless Writing, the book, if you've liked my classes, if you liked Everyone Has What It Takes or my weekly blogs, I think you'll enjoy this. It's not about the craft of writing so much. You know how I do it probably if you've ever taken a class from me. It's more about just the psychological and emotional mastery necessary to do this work. So if you've ever worried that you don't have enough time or that you're not good enough, you don't have the talent, it's not the market, no. This series is all about keeping your attention where it needs to be, off of what other people think of your stuff and on the story and on your own curiosity where at the source of your actual genius, keeping it there where it belongs. I know I need a reminder of it, so if I do, I'm sure you do as well. So I hope you check it out. Fearless Writing with Bill Knauer on YouTube as a podcast, and I hope you enjoy listening to it or watching it as much as I enjoy doing it. Okay, as for today's interview, well, it's the fabulous Dana Stabenow. I interviewed her, oh, a bunch of years ago, uh, really enjoyed it, was glad to have her back on the Back on the show, she was born in Anchorage, Alaska and raised on a 75-foot fishing tender. She knew there was a warmer, drier job out there somewhere and found it in writing. Her first book in the best-selling Kate Shugak series, A Cold Day for Murder, received an Edgar Award from the Mystery Writers of America. How about that, huh? An auspicious beginning, and she has written, we've just figured out in the course of our interview, 23 books since then. 23 just in that series and a bunch of others. Oh, she's prolific. She's cool. She's interesting. And I'm glad I get to share that interview with you now. Enjoy. All right. It's been a few years, but I am talking once again to Dana Stabenow. Stabenow. Jesus God, Stabenow. I'm talking to Dana Stabenow. I just get, you know, if I get it wrong, I get it wrong. How are you doing, Dana? I'm great. It's great to be talking to you again, William. I remember we had fun last time. We did. And it should be easy for me to remember your name. Do you know why? Because you write crime and you people are stabbed. I mean, I can make that connection. <laughs> Has no one ever made that connection for you? Um, actually, in college... The, when I reported for the school newspaper at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks, people would call me Dan Stab, Ace Daily Reporter, wow. and I wasn't even writing crime fiction at that time. <laughs> but it was it was in the works. All right, so Dana is an Alaskan native, who I can't. I think when I interviewed you, this was a bunch of years ago. It was for the um, current series, the series that uh, not the ones dead. That is the. Uh, that's uh, that's the Kate 
Shugak, 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 Shugak mm-hmm. series, which is your longest. Uh, is it the one you're best known for? Would you say at this point? Yeah, I, yeah. yes, it's the one I'm best known for. It's there's it's this is the 23rd book in the series. And wow. Um, Jesus, wow, yeah, because I remember we were, I I remember read that book, really enjoyed it, and so 23rd, 23rd. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I was thinking about that's a long time to be writing about the same character. Uh, it, you're you're right about that. And I've always, I'm sure I said during my last interview, because I think I say it in every interview I give, that I'm very conscious of writers who've gone too long with the series and the characters have gone stale on them and yeah. they're bored writing it and you can tell, which yeah. means you're going to be bored reading it. And I've always been terrified that that would happen with the Kate Chugak series. So I have made it a policy to write other things in between. Yeah. Yeah. the Kate novels. As soon as I was able to, as soon as I was financially able to do that, I would start, I started staggering the um, titles in the series with, with other books. I yeah. mean, I did that from the beginning because I was writing science fiction when I first started out, but. Right. That's I'm even right. more conscious of it now. <laughs> and as I recall, you had an unusual upbringing, uh, maybe not unusual because Alaska is such an odd place. Um, there really is no other place like it in the country. I think in the u.s at least um maybe it wasn't unusual for alaska or was it even unusual for that i don't state? I, I don't know yeah you're talking to the wrong person i mean i'm when you're a kid your life is just your life yeah, you, yeah. up on a boat and yeah. the the that was about it was off and on we lived off on the boat off and on for five years sometimes we would winter ashore sometimes we'd stay on the boat yeah. um and you know mostly i wanted to be like all my friends in school who were living on shore and right <laughs> Right. And I didn't particularly like having to leave in the summertime to go um, uh, pick up fish at the fishing grounds. And I didn't particularly right. love the winter that we went trapping instead of staying. And then I got my mom had to homeschool me. And right. it was um, but when you're a kid, that's just what whatever is, is normal. And that's so that, true. Looking back, looking back, I can see, OK, maybe it was a little bit different. But, you know, it's interesting when I think about, so you, when you describe that upbringing, you know, the writer's life, the decision to be a writer is, um, you know, that it comes loaded with a little bit of baggage in terms of money and just, um, it can seem impractical. And there's something about the wilderness of Alaska, which is like, look, we got to survive here. We got a trap here. We got, I mean, it's not a, it's not a refined uh you don't have a lot of room for luxuries and writing and reading can seem like a luxury can seem like a luxury and yet alaska has given voice to many 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 fine writers why do you think that the least um there it uh there's something in the culture there's something in the landscape there's something in the way life it is lived here i love your choice of the word impractical because (laughs) I think you could apply that to writing as a whole. Anyone who writes for a living, I think, is nuts. <laughs> you know, it's just we're gonna be. It's gonna we're gonna be incredibly lucky if we make enough money to live on. It's yeah. that's just boy. You know, you timing and luck are everything. There, skill is, I believe, the least of it. Um, I mean, skill is a good thing to have too. If you can tell a story, that's you know, you got to have that if you're if you're gonna. Yeah be able to have the luck to to break out but um it is i mean if i had a nickel for every time somebody said to me you know i've always wanted to write a book i'd be a rich woman i'd never have to write another word because i don't think anybody really understands what we do i'm not sure we understand when we start out and i think it takes a real leap of faith 
combined with an absolutely stubborn determination that you're not going to fail to yeah. get where you're going. And I think fewer people have that than not, than do. Yeah. Well, I always say to my, cause I teach a lot of writers and I talk about the creative process with, with a lot of people. And there is, there's a lot to be said about the mindset necessary to do the creative life, which is really what we're talking about in writing one example. And there isn't the one thing about it is there's a lot of careers that you can go and learn to do in college or some version of in college. And there's, you know, there are places you then go to apprentice at it and get paid along the way. And for writing, there's just, there is nothing like that. I mean, you can go get an MFA, but that doesn't really That's no guarantee you. of anything. Nothing. No. nothing. Um, and so there's so little guarantees in it that I think it can, it scares a lot of people off. You know, I'm sure you've met a lot of people who were lawyers while they were writing their first book and doctors while they were, there's a ton of those people out there. It, it helps if you have a day job. Yes. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Did you do journalism? I can't remember. Was it journalism for you first? Was that I, your first my day undergraduate job? Degree, my undergraduate degree was in journalism, but um, the way Alaska was when I got my degree in 73 was there was just that they were just starting construction on the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. And the highest paying journalism job I could find was as a copy editor at the Anchorage Times for, I think it was like 800 bucks a month. And you couldn't even rent an wow. apartment on the take home for that. So I followed the herd and went to work for the oil, oil companies in um, on the pipeline and in Prudhoe Bay. And then when I got done with that um, in the early 80s, I decided, OK, time to fish or cut bait, go back to school. I got my master's degree in uh, MFA yeah. and um, started writing books. Wow. And so when you wrote the first um, in this series, the Kate Shugak series, did you anticipate it being a series or did you say, well, I really like this character? And like, I mean, how, I know you didn't think you're going to write 23, but if you're writing in crime, it's not unusual to think series. Like that's often the way it goes, right? The first Kate Chugak novel, I wrote it because, first of all, because I needed a break. It was a writing exercise in between the second and third science fiction novels. I was writing wow. a science fiction trilogy at the time. And I and sci I have no background in the hard sciences. So I was really exhausted from the research that I was doing, trying right. to, you know, have like a modicum of verisimilitude in the science fiction novels. And I was just tired. And I was reading crime fiction at the time. And I thought, well, gee, I wonder if I can write one of those. So wow. I sat down and I wrote a 200 page manuscript, which was imaginatively titled Mystery at the time, which <laughs> eventually when I sold my first science fiction novel, my editor said, well, what else have you got? And, you know, you never want to say nothing in answer right. to that. So I scrambled around and on found, you know, mystery on my computer and I sent it on and that eventually became A Cold Day for Murder, which is the first Kate Chugak novel. And did they and, say, and, okay, you know, I'll tell you what, William, if I had known that 23 years that that not 23 years later, but that I, that I would be sitting here talking to you about the 23rd book in the series, I never would have killed off Abel at the end of A Cold Day for Murder. God. <laughs> well, so I didn't read that book. So tell me that story. So Abel is who? Her her. Abel is, Abel is the, uh, you know, uh, the spoiler alert for any Danny Maniac watching, sorry. Um, <laughs> the, but uh, um, Abel is basically the guy who sort of watched over that uh, Kate's grandmother relied on to watch over Kate when she kept running away from town and going back to her parents' homestead. 
and the the she had a romantic relationship with one of Abel's sons. He's the right. eminence breeze of her childhood. And he turns out to be the perp in A Cold Day for the Murder. And he's not going to go to jail. And he takes care of that problem himself. Ah. And it wasn't until, you know, and then I go on to write, obviously, you know, I sell that book in two more. It's the right. first multiple book contract I ever had. Wow. And then they immediately signed me up for three more and then signed me up for three more after that. And then I stopped and said, OK, one at a time so I could start writing other stuff in between them. And the it wasn't, I can't remember, I think it was in the maybe the fifth Kate Chugak novel that I really really missed that eminence grise personality of of Abel's and so I wrote basically rewrote him into the uh series uh with a different background and another name and that was old Sam Dementiev who was just the loveliest character man I I loved him <laughs> and he died later on too and it just about killed me too <laughs> how did he die isn't that great see listeners she's acting as if she had no hand in it, but in a way you didn't. In a way you didn't, did you? I if if you are writing, I don't know. A lot of people ask me the same question, um, and the, it's it's difficult to say. I'm not afraid to let characters die. I I think Stephen King is right. I think you kill your darlings. I think he's absolutely right about that. And um, but honestly, I don't necessarily go into any book knowing that a character is going to die. I. That right, has just right. never happened. It evolves naturally out of the lives of the characters. I think it's the greatest gift writing has ever given me is to be able to do that. Has it changed? Now, this, we're going to go a little deep here because that's just what I like to do. But has it changed your relationship to death itself, to the concept of it? I don't think so. I think, you know, age has kind of changed that. Oh, I turned yeah. 70. I turned 70 last year. And let me tell you, by law, you you have you are forced to apply for social security when you turn 70. And that does change your perspective a little bit. Yeah, right. For one you thing, it's the first time I've had a regular income since August of 1982. <laughs> 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 wow. Yes, it it is a limited run. You have to we now you have to embrace that. Okay. So so turning 70 more than your character's dying. That's yeah. fair enough. But um, I, as I was reading uh, your latest, not the ones dead, I'm going to get the title. <laughs> I'm going to get the <laughs> Um I was reminded again from reading, the, from the last time I read you, what a role, I know you've heard this, but it's so particular for this Alaska place. And because to some degree, you have to let us know what this place is, particularly the area, because it's not just like I finally went to Alaska for the first time in September, but I went to Anchorage for a writers conference, the Alaska Writers Conference. And, Excellent. you know, I understand Alaska or Anchorage is near Alaska. Someone told me said, it's <laughs> oh, 15 minutes from true. Alaska. God, you know, I, I from the time I graduated in high school until the time I moved back down to Homer, I mostly lived at least off and on in Anchorage. And oh, Anchorage okay. is fine. I know they have the joke that says that Anchorage is 30 miles, you know, 30 minutes away from the rest of Alaska. Right. I suppose, yeah, it's a smart ass remark and you can get away with it. But Anchorage is Alaska too. God, all you have to do is just look out the window. Well, that's what I, that was the sense. And it seemed like it reminded me of a wild West town in that, like everybody there is like, okay, we're, we're currently surrounded by buildings, but at any moment we might have to pick up and get our backpacks and head out into the wilderness. It just had that, like the wilderness, it felt, I don't know if it was my imagination, but I could so sense its presence. The wilderness comes into Alaska on a regular basis. Too. <laughs> yeah, you know, all you have to do is ride a bike down the bike path. You run into moose, bear, everything. Right. right. <laughs> and so, but Alaska, but your your presentation of Alaska as a kind of character, I mean, it's a catch a cliche, but I I sensed it 
to a large degree in your book. Um, and it's more than just a setting. Would you say it plays a role in the mysteries themselves to some degree, the, the fact of where it is? The, are, you, are you talking about the physical, the geographical location? The geogra it's, it's, the Absolutely. geographic and just the nature of what, what that place is lent, is more than just atmosphere for the story. And no, it's absolutely, it's Alaska is a character in the books. And I don't say that lightly. I don't say it superficially. I'm not looking for a laugh. Um, right. Alaska, definitely. And probably the main character. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm, it's, it, we have so much wide open space, so much place where people haven't settled and it draws a certain kind of person to it. And it keeps a certain kind of person here and yeah. that's where the stories come from, are the kinds of people that are drawn to the state of Alaska that have lived here for 10,000 years or that just came yesterday right. that um, creates the stories that I write. And it affects the way you... It, <laughs> well, but if, it seems to me it would affect the way you think, affect the way you oh, yeah. communicate. Like the, it, the, I, have a, I have a friend who traveled outside a lot. She's since retired and she traveled outside a lot in her job. And she said, the air is different in other places, particularly on the other side of the Mississippi river. You know, th those yep. people have been there for a long time. They're, they don't, she's one time she said to me, God, they don't move. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she said, there was one time when she, the plane landed in San Francisco and she wanted to tumble down the stairs and dropped to her knees and kiss the ground. She was so happy to be, back on the other side of the Mississippi River. Um, in Alaska, I think more things are possible. When when my mom, I grew up with a single mom, and when my mom was hired for any job, basically her main requirement was that she have a pulse because we have a smaller population. Right now, I think it's only about 720,000 people. The whole we, state? Uh, Wyoming, I think, is the only state who has a smaller, maybe it's Montana, who has a smaller population than wow. we do. And we're enormous. And, you know, people are isolated in these little tiny villages where they don't even have a road you can get to. And some of them are so much in the interior that you can only fly in or yeah. take a snow machine and go very great distance in the wintertime. And that inculcates a certain amount of independence and capability. You have to be able to take care of yourself out in the middle of nowhere. That's so true because I am a city boy, have been all my life. And there's so much that I will do not want to have to take care of. Can't imagine when I watch zombie apocalypse things. I'm like, I just kill me because <laughs> I, I don't think I am equipped to handle that at all. But, but it, I think the Alaskans would probably do best. Um, I, some of us would some of us, you know hey we've got our share of dumb just like anybody else sure. and you can see it every day in the headlines right I, so many so many people have asked me often you know where do you get all all your ideas i mean everybody always asks authors that you know and yeah. a, a trope i i have how do you answer it i i used to say well, as long as people keep misbehaving in, on the front page of the Anchor's Daily News, I'm in business. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's still pretty, pretty much true. Is it pretty true? I mean, do you go through and every once in a while, because, you know, I, I write about, I write nonfiction, but I write a lot of essays about the same subject, but I'll, so I'll just be going through my day and I go, Ooh, I'll be talking to my wife and I go, Oh, that's an essay. That's an, okay. Boom, check. So I have a little notepad that I write down. Mm -hmm. So do you do a version of that? Whereas you're thumbing through and 
I have little I have little pads and pieces of pa uh, pens. I'm next like one next to my bed. I've got one next to every chair in okay. the living room, obviously at my desk. I've got one in the car. I've been known to hold up traffic as I write scribble something down. Okay, so you um, got yeah. I the the worst is when you're like right on the edge of sleep. You're all curled up. You're snuggled uh. up in your bed. <laughs> you know it's warm and you're just starting to doze off. But then you get an idea and you have to wake up and write it down because if you don't all you will remember the next day is that you had an idea you won't remember the idea that's right that's right that's right absolutely <laughs> i take i write music uh and i i now have my phone so i will if i get something i will push that little button and i'll play it for the thing to remind myself so all right so let's all right 23 books in this series we got at least a dozen in another series or Close to it, I think, right? No, uh, there's a. I think, I think there's um five in um only five the okay. Liam Campbell novels. There's, I'm working on the fourth Eye of Isis novels. There's two thrillers in the Coast Guard. All right, so all these books. Oh my god. There's um a trilogy um set in medieval Europe. Well, China to medieval Europe. Um, I think that's it. Maybe. <laughs> all right, so it's about forty books anyway. <laughs> good lord! So you get up every day. This is what you do. Mm -hmm. Uh. Still interested? I know you got it pays the bills, but are you still interested? Oh yeah, I'm still interested. I'm yeah. in particular. I'm particular. I'm interested. Um, I I have sworn a mighty oath that um, okay. first of all, another factor of age is that I'm going to stop writing. I'm not going to write any more cliffhangers. That it's not fair to the. It's not fair. And the off them. chance that you might croak. Yep. And they won't, exactly. Oh, that is so fans, yeah. I'm not going to. I have had. I have had really, really supportive fans, and I owe them better than that. Okay. So I'm not going to leave them hanging. That's not okay. going to happen. So, right. I mean, I'm not saying everything is all sweetness and light at the end of every book. That's just not me. But um, I'm not ever going to leave anything hanging like bad blood ever again, okay. or I forget what else. A night too dark, maybe, or. Um, midnight, um, Hunter's Moon. I won't ever do that again. Um, there will be a sense of things being wrapped up at the end, which is actually more normal for crime fiction anyway, sure. which sure. I probably should have been doing all along, but I didn't. And the the um, second thing is, is I'm just not going to leave anything. Well, no, that's basically it. That's, that's it. Basically it. The books are going to end and yes. the killer will, the mystery will have been solved. But of course, the, the series are interesting. Yes. Right. And, yeah. But the interesting thing you get to do with a series is, in a way, the story doesn't end because there is the story of Kate's life, you know, and her relationships and that. And that is allowed to evolve and sort of never end in a certain way. So Which life does. Well, of course, it's that way. It's a very it's I, I always think of the mystery series in particular because they're, they're really the few that do it where you have two narrative arcs. You have the story's narrative arc and then you have this loose rolling realistic narr narrative arc that doesn't have to reflect the tight pact of a of a novel it's allowed to flow the way life does and that's mm -hmm. a nice i think a nice luxury to have as a novelist if you well, enjoy it I, it's very it's i'm i think the the best thing that any writer can do is to concentrate on the ensemble cast i mean yes it's mm -hmm. important to have attractive interesting even appalling lead characters you know somebody that the writer that the reader can be interested in but when you have a strong ensemble cast and you keep adding to it you always have a place to go a place to begin the narrative a place to end right. it a place to on which the story the plot can turn um i'm trying to think i think it was um Less Than a Treason, I think, begins at um, Canyon Hot Springs, 
with a young couple who have only been peripheral to the who one of whom started out life in a Kate Shugak short story and then ah. started and then showed up and then showed up with his, with his three brothers and all the Danny Maniacs just love the Grodinier brothers. <laughs> so, I mean, there that was a gift from the writing gods. Thank you. Um, and then I allowed him and his um, girlfriend to begin the uh, first chapter of Less Than a Treason. That is the gift of an ensemble cast. Yeah. You know, you introduce them you bring them along a little bit at a time and readers are smart they pick up on that stuff they like that kind of stuff they like being i think rewarded for paying attention as a reader i have to say i do so, yeah um, oh, that's so interesting it reminds me of uh, i do enjoy a good sitcom a good sitcom and i've noticed that the writers are smart my wife's been watching a lot of reruns of taxi the old 70s and early 80s series and how they will rotate even though they have this sort of mink they will rotate the story from character to character because they're all fleshed out enough they can candle a narrative arc for that certain story and so oh that is very interesting and you let, but of course when you like with the example that the young couple did you talk to me about the decision to let them be the the lead into the story. Did you just think I need somebody or did you think they're kind of interested? Did it come from your interest in them or they just fit the story? I wanted to know. And I, I wanted the plot had to start when and where it did. And the question was, okay, who's there to see it? Because somebody has to be, you know, <laughs> somebody has to be there to be right. a witness to right. the action, to be able to report back to Kate. Right. And it, for whatever reason, I, I can't begin to tell you why I decided on Laurel and, um, God, what's his name? One of the, the <laughs> oldest, Matt um, Rodidier. Um, but they were, it was New Year's Eve and it was natural for young lovers in the park to ask Kate's permission to go up and stay at uh, Canyon Hot Springs in the cabin that she had built that um, was on property that old Sam had left to her, who was the guy who died at the end of A Night Too Dark and who sent her on a scavenger hunt in Though Not Dead. <laughs> Um, it was just, it was natural. It was the way the characters had evolved to that point. I mean, they're getting to the point where they're serious about each other. And it's not just, you know, of fun and giggles at the, at this point. And so, and that was another thing that I really liked that I was really proud of is by the end of that first chapter, they are both, their relationship has evolved to the point just in that one chapter that they know they're going to spend the rest of their lives together. Ah. They don't say it, but you can you can um, infer it from the text. But you didn't know that until you wrote it, did you? Nope, I did now, not. You see, that's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah. So I coach my my fiction writers. I'm like, look, you know you've got the right answer when you didn't know the answer until you got it. I mean, you can, I don't know if you how much of a, you know, there's there, there are mystery writers um, who are, who start with, I'm sure you know, because you probably are in that community of like, I have a dead body. I don't know who killed them, but I got a body and I'll find out by the end of the book who killed it. And then you've yeah. got other ones who are like, I know who killed it and why. And it, 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 I don't know where you stand on that spectrum. Um, I, mostly, God, um, it just depends. It's uh, oh, different, really? different things for different books. Generally, generally, only generally, William, will I say this. <laughs> um, I do know who did it. And that's right. only when I, I've made that, I made that decision one time and about halfway through the book, I realized, oh, he didn't do it after oh. all. And oh. then I figure out who did. <laughs> well, that's in, that's Now that's different, Dana, because usually it's one or the other. Usually it's like, know. They, you know, you don't, but you've, so clearly you leave a lot of room for inspiration either way. Yeah. Yeah. I say in the whole writing process, the thing that has come, I mean, I like the craft of writing. I find it, you know, it's interesting to me. So that's what I like to do. But, but the thing that continues to intrigue me 
and draws me back to these conversations is inspiration. What that magical quality of the idea that arrives asked for, but we don't have control over the thing that came that we discovered that that is, has brought that to me feels like the closest thing to a spiritual experience in the writing. Cause it's, I'm just there glad it came yeah. along. Yeah. It's I'm, I refer to it as the muse knocking at the door. Absolutely. If she yeah. knocks, you get up and answer. You answer. I That's mean, right. I don't know how to print any, and that, that may sound precious. I don't mean it to. It's actually more or less the literal truth. That's the only you pay attention. You have you, to pay attention. That's I, Amen. Because you, the muse, whatever language you want for it, it is the only practical language. And people who think writers sound pretentious, we don't want to, but there's no, no other way to describe what also, um, if you want to, if you want that muse to keep talking and you know, you, you do want her to, you better not take credit. I think in your mind, because in a way it kind of shuts the door. If you think I did that. Right. Smart. You know, have you ever gone back and reread stuff that you've written and wondered to yourself who wrote that? Yeah, yes, I have. Yeah. Yes, I yeah, have. I, if, I mean, if you have the fortune, if, if, you know, the muse smiles upon you and you have the good fortune to write something good, mostly what you should feel is humility. Yes. I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm glad I got, I always say that my job is to be in the frame of mind that allows writing to occur. Like that's my job to get in that receptive, relaxed, humble, appreciative, not that's my main role. The rest is up to whatever, mm -hmm. you know, and fiction, I think even more, so, even more, cause I don't do fiction anymore, but even more so for the fiction writer who really, you know, is starting from, you don't start from zero cause you have characters and a world, but the story and you know, that's mm -hmm. zero, right? Yeah. At the start. Always every time. Yeah. So you're still interested. Look at you, get so excited. I, you may not be able to see your folks. You get so excited talking about her characters. It's great. Isn't that great? Don't, look, are, are you a little appreciative? I think you probably are. Of what you get to do, of what people pay you to do. Oh, God, I'm so lucky. I'm just so lucky. I'm the luckiest person on the planet. Yeah. I often feel like that. I don't yeah. really know why it happened to me. I don't know that I've been such a good person that I should be gifted <laughs> with this and somebody else shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I'm just grateful. God, I'm grateful every day. That's so that's so awesome because I don't think there's anything better than being able to do what you love to do. What I because every writer I know would do it for free and did, mm -hmm. you know. Oh, and we all have done it for free. Oh, we all did it for free, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But I mean, I I made a, a I made a decision at a certain point in my life that I'm only going to do what for money what I would do for free from now. I'm done with the other, and so everything I do now. I would, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's talking or even coaching, I would do that for free either way because I just love talking to people. And I think it's a great modus operandi, you know, mm -hmm. that you if feel you lucked it, into. But if you can do it and support yourself, then absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, it's good. All possible worlds. <laughs> you, there's nobody better you want helping you, whether it's a doctor or a mechanic or who who's, who loves what they're doing. Those are the people you want to work with whatever they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And writers yeah. have to look what they're doing. Absolutely. Well, Dana, it's so great. You're an inspiration. That you've been, you, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, but look at, you You know, you've been doing this a long time. People can burn out. People can get cranky and can get repetitive and can start imitating. Because I always say to my, so I say, I can imitate what I sound like when I'm actually inspired, and it, but it's not the same. It's not the same, right? Yeah. And you're clearly still so interested. That is awesome. The well is deep. 
<laughs> the well is deep. All right. And so uh, this book's been out for a little while, but it's available where all fine books are sold. But I'm not quite done with you, Dana. Oh, I'm okay. curious. I asked, I asked you this question once. I don't remember your answer. What? So we'll, we'll ask it again and see what happens. Okay. I want you to think about all the writing you've done, all the 40 books you've written. And if writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Perseverance. Yeah. The, the, you can't give up. And that, I mean, I'm very task oriented and that it, I may have been task oriented before I was a writer, but I'm very, very task oriented now. I mean, in little things that I do every day and in books that I write, because my whole thrust in life is to finish this book and start the next one. And you can apply that kind of perseverance into finishing tasks. Sounds so mediocre, William. <laughs> but you you can apply that to the life that you live. You can apply it to friendships, to relationships, to family, to friends, to politics, to anything that you wanted to. In okay, what is it I want? You can define the task. What is it that I want to get done here? And how much time am I going to give myself to get it done? And if I don't get it done, what do I do then? It's, it's, I don't know, maybe perse perseverance isn't exactly the right no, word. It's, for. No, it's good. It does, you don't give up. You don't yeah. give up. You just don't give up. I love it. I love it. I, the whole point to these interviews in many ways, these conversations is that what it takes to write a book is what it takes to lead a life. I think that skills overlap tremendously. Well, that's a good, oh, that's a great, that, that's a terrific line. Thank you. Thank you. I, I live it and I believe it and I teach it. So, and you just reiterated it. So good on you, Dana. It has been a pleasure as always. And for me too. Don't think it was one-sided. See, I like that answer. She talks about perseverance, but she made the connection, people. It goes beyond writing. Yes, it does. Tell you what it takes to write the book you want to write is what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's so true. And that's why, that's why I do these interviews. But it's also, that's why I did the Fearless Writing Podcast. Because, of course, it's, it's about more than writing. Fearlessness is about more than writing. And I live it, breathe it, I believe it. It's true. I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, my friend. I want to thank all of you out there. Thank all of you out there for checking in, uh, Get listening and and you know just being there it's it's awesome to have you on board and so uh, until next time till next time go find something you love to do and do it <laughs> <laughs>